today's episode will be focused on types of fat suppressions that we perform in MRI imaging, as well as additional quicker topics that we can cover. What are the common techniques for fat saturation or fat suppression? Number one is chemical fat saturation or fat saturation by itself. And this is when we have a 90 degree RF pulse that will saturate signal from fat. Another technique is the inversion recovery imaging where we utilize the fact that T1 of adipose tissue is much shorter than anything else in the body, particularly that of water. And so we can measure a null or TI, which will give us a time length for inversion of fat. Another technique is opposite phase imaging, and that depends in summary on the fact that both lipid and water have different resonance frequency. When in phase, the resonance frequency or the signal from these two particles or two protons is added up. When out of phase, the signal is because of subtraction of fat signal, a subtraction of water signal from fat, and that gives us the out of phase imaging. And finally, Dixon fat suppression. Dixon fat suppression is not really used anymore, and it is very similar to opposite phase or opposed phase imaging technique. How does chemical fat saturation work? It works by using a 90 degree radio frequency saturation pulse at the same resonance frequency of fat. And this is done for each slice. And when we do that, we by the time we actually send the 90 degree RF pulse that will produce the echo for imaging, there will be no excitement or no signal from fat that has received the initial 90 degree saturation pulse. Utilities for it, it is used for fat suppression over large amount of fat and it allows us to avoid chemical fat or chemical shift artifact of the first kind. It can be used with any sequence because it is a pulse sequence prior to whatever sequence. So you can, the 90 degree RF pulse at the resonance frequency of fat, this can be added to any pulse sequence and will null the signal of fat. It can be used for post-contrast imaging because it's null and signal based on the resonance frequency of fat and not the T1 time as some of the other fat suppression techniques, meaning it's not that fat has a short T1 time, it uses the resonance frequency of the fat molecules to know the signal from fat. Drawbacks to this technique, it is sensitive to magnetic field inhomogeneity because any metal or any magnetic field inhomogeneity will change or shift the resonance frequency of fat and water and can cause nulling of water signals instead of nulling the fat. So if you have metal adjacent to fat or if you have interference change between fat and air or soft tissue and air like at bony surfaces or sinuses, this technique does not work well because of the field inhomogeneity which shifts the resonance frequency of fat. Additional drawbacks to this technique is it's not very reliable 
when using low field strength. Remember we said that precession or resonance frequency depends on the main magnetic field because it's a factor multiplied by the main magnetic field. So if the main magnetic field is weak, then the resonance frequency difference between molecules between, for example, fat and water or fat and some other tissue will not be enough to create this difference. And so we will not be able to null fat particularly. And finally, because it's an additional sequence, additional RF pulse prior to the actual RF pulse of imaging, it adds extra time. Typically, it adds 10 millisecond per slice. How does inversion recovery imaging or fat suppression work? Remember, for fat saturation signal to work or fat, chemical fat suppression to work, we said it really depended on the resonance frequency of fat and how the resonance frequency of fat was different from other parts of the body. And that's how we were able to null that signal based on the specific resonance frequency. That's in relationship to chemical fat saturation or fat saturation. Inversion recovery imaging uses a different property of fat. It uses the property that fat TE tissue have shorter T1 sequence than almost all the other tissue in the body. So after we have a 180 degree inversion pulse, the longitudinal magnetization of fatty tissue will recover faster than any other tissue in the body, particularly faster than water. If we apply a 90 degree RF pulse, 90 degree RF pulse are the pulses that would produce signal or produce echo. If we apply a 90 degree RF pulse at the null point of fat, meaning at the point where fat has no signal, given the inversion pulse, we will get MRI image where there will be no signal from fat, but there will be still signal from water because water has a longer T1 time than fat. So we can use this as long as the repetition time of the material or in the body is much longer than T1. So anything that would shorten T1 time, make it closer to T1 time of fat, will not be valuable for this imaging technique. For example, gadolinium is known to shorten T1 time of tissue. We cannot use gadolinium and inversion recovery imaging because it will interfere with the null signal of fat because it shortens all the other signal from tissue. Based on what we just talked about, we, there is what we call a null point of fat or a null point of the fatty signal. And this is called TI or T inversion of fat. This is 0.7 multiplied by T1 time. So T1 time of fat multiplied by 0.7 gives us the null time. For fatty tissue on a 1.5 Tesla magnet, it's 130 to 170 millisecond is the null point of fat. What are the utility of using inversion recovery imaging? It allows for fat suppression over global tissue because it uses the T1 property of that. It can be used with low strength magnetic field as long as we know the T1 null time of that fat, which is a magnetic property. Also, it is 
insensitive to magnetic field inhomogeneity because it does not depend on precession frequency, which is changed based on the magnetic field. Rather, it depends on the T1 time or T1 property or longitudinal magnetization of tissue. So it can be used with that, but it cannot be used with contrast because it will it's not specific for fat. It's basically specific for the T1 time that we select. And it can null signal from melanin. It can null signal from contrast. It can null signal from anything that has short T1 time. Now would be a good time to talk about properties of tissues that have short T1 time. Tissues that have short T1 time, that means tissue similar to fat property and this tissue will also be suppressed or signal from this tissue will also be suppressed if we use inversion recovery fat suppression technique. This include obviously melanin because melanin is bright on T1, methemoglobin which is also bright on T1, protonaceous content of cyst also bright on T1, Silicon uniquely is short on T1. Not only that silicon has short T1 property, it also has similar resonance frequency as fat. So do not confuse it. They can ask the question about chemical fat suppression and silicon because it has similar properties to fat. Also, they can ask it in terms of the stir inversion or stir-fat suppression because silicon has similar T1 shortening or T1 time as fat. Opposed phase imaging or opposed phase fat suppression depends on the fact that lipid proton and water proton have different resonance frequency. And based on that, after the initial excitation, lipid signal and water signal are considered in phase and the phase difference between them is basically zero. But because water processes slightly faster than lipid, after a few milliseconds or after a certain period of time, the difference between them is 180 degree and that's considered the opposed phase. Now, when we're doing in-phase imaging, meaning when both water and fat are aligned together, the vector sum of their signal is added and that produces the image. So there is more signal in that slice that is considered in-phase imaging when water and fat are both together in that slice or in that voxel. Now, opposite-phase imaging is the product of subtraction of water and fat vectors. And so opposite phase imaging in a voxel that contains both fat and water will be less intense than uh, either being water alone or fat alone. When is it commonly used? It's commonly used to demonstrate intracytoplasmic fat or fat within small volume typically within the same voxel and usually used for intralesional fat for adrenal adenoma and allows us to also grade the fatty content of the liver when we do uh, imaging of the liver and that's how we can evaluate for steatosis. 
Another advantage of opposite phase imaging, it is independent of static field inhomogeneity because it depends on the precession of frequency of fat and water and not the absolute value of the frequency. Remember, we said the absolute value of frequency of precession is what we used when we did chemical fat suppression and that was based on the precession frequency of fat. When we're talking about opposite phase imaging, it's really relative to precession of fat and precession of water. So if there is magnetic field or static field inhomogeneity adjacent to that voxel, it's going to affect both water and fat, and that results in both decreased or increased precession frequency to both protons. Drawbacks to using opposite phase or opposed phase imaging or fat suppression, well, mainly it is a GRE sequence phenomena only because when we, for spin echo sequences, there is the 180 degree refocusing pulse. That 180 degree refocusing pulse will bring both lipid signal and water signal back in phase regardless of the echo time difference or regardless of the precession frequency. When we send that refocusing pulse, both signal of fat and water will be aligned and so we cannot do opposite phase imaging on spin echo sequences. Additionally, we are unable to distinguish or detect small tumors within fatty tissue when we use opposite phase fat suppression or opposite phase imaging. Finally, Dixon fat suppression. This is a technique that is not used anymore really because it takes a longer time to acquire which is the Dixon fat suppression. So Dixon fat suppression is similar to opposed phase imaging where we're imaging twice. Now the difference we said with opposite phase imaging, we, we image when both water and fat are in phase and then when water and fat are out of phase imaging. With Dixon fat suppression, we acquire signal both in phase and out of phase but the main difference is the sum of these images or the sum of these values would produce pure water image and the difference of these values or the difference of these vectors will produce pure lipid image. Again, sum of vectors in Dixon fat suppression will give you water image and su subtraction of Vectors between the in and out of phase imaging in Dexan fat suppression will give you pure lipid image. What factors influence spatial resolution of MRI? The key word here is spatial resolution. And on exam questions, they commonly present it and try to make you confuse spatial resolution and signal to noise ratio. And the common factors are almost inversely the opposite, meaning things that increase spatial resolution will lower the signal-to-noise ratio. In my example that I repeated multiple times, we said if you think of a camera sensor and the more you add voxels or pixel to that sensor, the less area that each of these pixels on the sensor. And so there is less light received by that pixel. Even though you improve the resolution because you have more pixels, 
you decrease your signal-to-noise ratio because each pixel is receiving less light now. So slice thickness, if you increase slice thickness, you decrease resolution. If you increase your field of view, you decrease resolution. And if you use a bigger mat matrix, on the other hand, you improve your resolution because basically bigger matrix means more pixels on that sensor. For signal-to-noise ratio, slice thickness, thicker slices will improve signal-to-noise ratio. Larger field of view will improve signal-to-noise ratio based on the equation that we mentioned yesterday. And finally, matrix size, the smaller the matrix, the bigger the or the better the signal-to-noise ratio. The equation of the signal-to-noise ratio, as we said before, is the voxel volume multiplied by the square root of number of measurement divided by the receiver's bandwidth. Voxel volume relates to or is the field of view in the X, Y, and Z divided by matrix size. So field of view in the X uh, and Y is basically the standard field of view. Slice thickness refers to the field of view in the Z dimension. Finally, let's end this episode talking about few safety points in MRI imaging. What is the manifestation of static magnetic field? Typically, static magnetic field will augment the T waves. And so it's important to know that this is artifactual augmentation of T wave and it's not actual change in heart cycle or blood flow. Another effect related to magnetic field or MRI scanning is rapid gradient switching. When we do rapid gradient switching, the common side effect or disadvantage of that in terms of the body, it can cause tingling and twitching in the arms and feet due to peripheral nerve stimulation. Additionally, rapid switching of the magnetic field can cause thermal injury at the skin, skin interface due to the rapid switching. Again, this is important not to confuse it with static field. This is due to rapid gradient switching that we get thermal injury. And finally, what happened at the skin-skin contact is you get current loop as you switch the gradient, which leads to heating. And because of the high resistance at the skin, you get the burns because the electric field will convert into heat at high resistance tissue. Another question they can ask regarding tissue burns and rapid switching of gradient is asking you to distinguish between the thermal burn related to a rapid switching of the gradient, which is at skin-skin contact with the magnetic field or the gradient is basically the thermal injury due to RF pulses. Typically, this is due to incompatible uh, ECG leads or incompatible equipment. So the RF pulse would deposit injury or heat in the skin when we use incompatible equipment in the MRI. So commonly, it's the ECG leads that are considered incompatible and the RF pulses would deposit energy at the ECG leads. The last effect I want to talk about is dizziness and vertigo, 
when we see vizinus and vertigo. We see it as we move the patient in and out of the magnetic field. This can cause induction of the magnetic field, and this is due to movement of the patient in and out of the magnetic field. We don't see it in static magnetic field. The way I remember dizziness and vertigo is I imagine that the patient is dizzy from moving them in and out of the scanner, not because of the uh, magnetic field, but it's really due to induction of the magnetic field when they are pulled and put back into the scanner. Another example of medical equipment that can cause interaction or heating due to RF pulses outside of the ECG leads is medical patches. So lidocaine patches or fentanyl patches can cause burn from RF pulse. Static magnetic field, on the other hand, can is this, the field that you see pictures of with the metallic tray hitting the scanner or objects fly in the room. This is due to the static magnetic field because it's so strong. We'll end today's review with this question, even though I said it's uh, I'm going to end with the MRI safety. This is just a basic question regarding topic we covered yesterday. The effect of decreasing the receiver's bandwidth. What we mean by decreasing receiver bandwidth means we're using a more narrow bandwidth. More narrow bandwidth would lead to improved signal-to-noise ratio, and this is something I mentioned a million times already. Narrow bandwidth will increase the readout time because it results in a smaller echo, so multiple echoes, and will re result in increasing the readout time. And finally, smaller or narrow bandwidth will result in increase in metallic artifact and chemical shift artifact of the first kind. And they ask this a lot meaning they'll tell you which of the following will decrease this artifact, and it would be either metal artifact or chemical shift artifact of the first kind. They'll tell you which of the following would improve the artifact or lessen the effect of the artifact, and it is basically increasing receiver's bandwidth. So increasing receiver bandwidth will improve metallic shift artifact. If we decrease receiver bandwidth, we increase chemical shift artifact or increase the metal artifact in the image.